This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Have you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca. I love Jaws. Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Josh Heath. Today, we are going to talk about one of my favorite books in Werewolf the Apocalypse's book line, Hen Geokai, uh, The Changing Beasts of the East. And I am actually, I am, I have not recorded it yet, but I'm going to be recording a song that my wife and I wrote about the Hen Geokai. Oh, so show that- off. It, it is not a good song. I will be recording that and including that either at the beginning or the end of the episode. I haven't decided which. Maybe I'll throw it in the middle to confuse all of you. Um, <laughs> so you have to listen to the whole podcast and randomly we're going to have a song in the middle of it. Yes, something like that. We will uh, we will throw it in there. Um, Carrie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. Uh, so Carrie, my co-host, um, I am thankful to have you here because I think we're going to have an interesting conversation about this book. <laughs> Our pre-conversations about this book have uh, gotten me very excited. Mostly just because I make faces the whole time. So if you don't know yet, we have a Patreon. Go back our Patreon. Become a Patreon of Werewolf the Podcast. You can find us on Patreon as Werewolf the Podcast. Please do that and then you can join our Discord and if you're really interested, play our game A World of Rage, which is a persistent discord game happening there i like i like the word persistent in that i don't know why it makes it sound like no you will play right you're playing always right now right now 24 7 yeah Um, (laughs) while no one is always playing maybe they are always playing um something is going on all the time somewhere anyway so go back our patreon we're talking about Hengi Yokai. Carrie, can you tell us a little bit about the book? All right. Do you want me to go over the credits to yes. start with? Or... Sounds, sounds like a good start. All right. We'll start with the credits and then we'll backtrack so I can talk about the cover. Mm-hmm. All right. I am terrible at pronouncing names, so I apologize to everyone beforehand. Um, the authors of this book are Brian Campbell, Harry Heckle, Heather Heckle, Deanna McKinney. McKinney? McKinney, yeah. Kinney, okay, thank you. Uh, Ethan Skemp? Skemp? Skemp, yep. I've met Ethan, he's nice. And then uh, Kathleen Ryan. Because this is two books mushed into one. Yes. So so there's a lot of... And then additional materials by Aaron Anderson and Aline E. Miles. And the developer is Ethan Skemp. And there are a ton of artists, and I'm not going to go through, but there are a ton of artists in here. And the comic book was done by uh, Joshua Gabriel Timbrook, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, lots of people. <laughs> there are lots of people. There is a lot of yes. art in this book. Yes, yes, there is. So why don't we talk about your opinions on the cover a little bit? Um, well, I'd like to start with that. that um, I really like the gold that they've got on it. It kind of makes it feel a little different from the other books. Uh, they've got some gold highlights on the the title, and then the uh, the not I, they're not glyphs. They're uh, whatever the the symbols they have on the front cover, which I don't even know what language that is. It's Chinese, yeah. The Chinese. Chinese. Mm-hmm. Do we know what it says? Uh, no, that's oh, that's a good question. I've never looked that up. I, I will have to do that at some point. Okay, everyone should join our Discord, and then you should tell us what it says on the Discord. Yes, exactly. Someone that reads Chinese, please tell yes. us. Join the tell Discord us. so you can tell us. I mean, it probably just says gamer or something, but you know, right. or or like <laughs> fire or taco. <laughs> yeah. Oh, taco would be good. It would be great. Taco would be awesome. 
All right. So, and I mean, you know, the, the front and back cover are pretty, pretty white wolfy. There's nothing else like that jumps out at me. That's amazing or unamazing about it. It just is what it is. Um, the, the comic, the first page is in color and the bless, the rest is in black and white. And, um, the comic is weird to me because it feels, um, the comic was done by, uh, by Tim Brooke. And it feels like maybe they were like, hey, you have like two days <laughs> to do this comic book, you know, to do this comic. And and so he clearly chose to do it like a manga mm-hmm. comic book. And I don't think his style works well with manga. And so it feels really unfinished. Um. And I mean, I'm good. I'll admit right now, I am not a huge uh, manga fan at all. Like I, I've I've read a couple. There are some that I like, but like if you're like, hey, you know, this versus this, I will almost always choose the not manga, the not anime, the not you know, like that's just not my thing. Sure. Um, and, and so like I I came into this entire book kind of grumbly because it's not my thing. I was just going to say that might be a good segue, actually, to tell people a little bit like about what this book is. Um, yeah. OK, there we go. In so far as it's a look at the werewolf and other changing breed societies in Asia um, and how those are different. Um, there are some issues with that. There are some issues with that entire framing that I want to talk about in a minute. But mm-hmm. that's what this book is. It's effectively what if I want to play a werewolf? from China or Japan or maybe a little bit of Korea and some of other Southeast Asia. Uh, the, uh, really the, the beginning, uh, the beginning comic is always supposed to set the tone for mm-hmm. the book. And that makes me nervous. Like that made me nervous as I got into it because I was like, oh, this is setting the tone and I don't like this tone at all. Um, but I will say that the, the entire, uh, comic at the beginning also though, really reminded me of the Street Fighter role-playing game that White Wolf put out. Yes, which I think a lot of the art in that was done by Tim Brooke as well. Yeah, yeah. It, but there was just something, because it's kind of ridiculous. You know, like, they were like, you know, and it was very Sailor Moon. Like, they, you know, they yelled their, their powers as they were using it kind of mm-hmm. deal, which I it is a thing. I get it. It's not my thing, though. Fair. So, yeah. It's, and I think, like, that the manga is, uh, it feels like it does, I think, intentionally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is absolutely supposed to have exactly that feel. And interestingly enough, this book and Kindred of the East, you can see how they were set up or at least Exalted uses them as a Mm -hmm. backdrop for some of the background for Exalted in the future. And, of course, they they, uh, eliminated all of that background for Exalted in second edition, but still, like this is the precursor to the things that Exalted decided we're going to make into the history of the world of darkness. I have a confession. Okay, go ahead. I've, I've never even looked at an Exalted book. Wow. I just, it's just never happened. I know I don't have like, I don't have like a knee jerk reaction against it. It's just never come across where someone's handed me a book to look at it. That's fair. It happens. Interestingly enough, I, really like it but i have uh, an appreciation for like anime inspired games and exalted mm-hmm. and in particular like hengiokai and that are inspired by anime and manga yeah and that's a good segue into my first rant or de- like description slash discussion of something that's important to keep in mind in this book okay is that um it's written from an orientalist perspective now Orientalism is a critique of things written initially by um, Edward Said, who was a political scientist. He he was actually um, an aestheticist, 
Like he was an artist that looked at the different aesthetics of certain things and um, talked about them in cultural context and explained how the aesthetic um, was um, related to a specific cultural context. And he was uh, Palestinian, but lived in Egypt. And he specifically in his book, Orientalism, was talking about the West's uh, um, obsession with Egyptian art and the yeah. theft and appropriation of Egyptian art. But that term, Orientalism, also refers to any kind of appropriative um, appreciation of art through any of Asia. And it really looks at it from a, um, a stereotypical standpoint. So this book and Kindred of the East are written by white people uh, who have an appreciation for Asia and Asian like storytelling, Asian styles and aesthetics. But you can tell that it's not written by people from those cultures. And so sometimes it makes choices that are really, really bad and offensive. Yeah. At other times, if you look at it as an homage to Japan in particular, it's not necessarily bad. But this whole book is But it's not necessarily homage. accurate either. Yes, it's it's not yeah. accurate at all, even if it's yeah. trying to do so from an appreciative standpoint. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that, like, I think you're right with the comic. That sets, that tone is right yeah. there in all the good and bad ways of manga and anime and um, mm -hmm. what that might mean. Um, we're going to talk about, like, women in scantily clad clothing and things like that. All of those yeah. are elements that are there. Yeah. Are gratuitous. <laughs> that being said, I like Street Fighter. <laughs> yes, I also like Street Fighter. You know, I've never looked at the RPG books, but I want to. You know, it's it's ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous, but it's it's it takes all that ridiculousness that the like that anime has, and they just go, "This is ridiculous. You have a finishing move. Figure it out." And you're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> And sometimes if you're going to lean into the trope, I guess, lean into it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. What were your overall impressions of this book and kind of maybe the, the history, the background, that first chapter sort of stuff that's in these books? Okay, my, the, the, okay we're talking the first book, or we're going to divide it into two? Yeah, let's divide it into two, because I have lots of things I want to save for the Kitsune section. Okay, uh, well, th this uh, this book, the Hangiokai book, is actually two books, hmm. and, and they, I mean, like, it ends, and then it starts up with the Kitsune, so we're just going to talk about the Hangiokai first. Um, it was better than the opening comic led it to mm -hmm. be. But it still wasn't something where I was like, this is great. Woo. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I really dug the opening story. Not not the comic book, but the written story. I actually yeah. really, really liked that story a lot. Because, you know, the whole time you're reading this and you're like, oh, this is like, oh, stupid white man's coming into, you know. And the whole time I'm like, is this what this whole book is going to be? Is going to be white bashing? Which, mm -hmm. you know. I get it. White people should be bashed quite a bit. We suck sometimes, but like, you know, I, I don't want that in my, in my role-playing game. Like, but like at the end of it was like, you need to stay. There's seven of them, you know? And like, you know, cause like they had been double crossed. And so suddenly it was like, maybe if you're playing a character that isn't a hangi Okai, that you're still going to be at least useful in this universe. There's a good story hook in that story for other stories like in the future, which I yes. think is really good. Yeah. Like I had kind of wish they had like just taken that story and used that story through the whole book. And, you know, just, you know, like instead of teaching people like as a cub, let me take you through this whole, you know, how they always do. Let, let's take mm -hmm. you through the universe that instead of doing that as a cub, they had said as a Westerner, let me take you through our universe. Yeah. Which would have been, which would have made the framing of it as like through Western eyes, it would have worked. It well, yeah, because then they could have well. they could have used the terminology that we've all gotten used to. Mm. You know, they could have said galliards. I mean, this is what we call galliards. You know, and then be like, oh, okay. Instead, I had to spend 
every five minutes I was flipping back to the lexicon trying to figure out. And even the lexicon didn't have like they oh, oh, oh. they they didn't even have in their lexicon. They didn't have this is what the bestet in this in the hangiokai call themselves. Mm-hmm. And so like it took me like 50 pages to figure out what the different um, uh, species were. You know, like what, what the Korax were called. Because they kept talking about them, but they never said, these are the bird shifters. So I was like, who are these people? The, uh, I hear that. And the funny thing, I don't know, for me, because I read this book initially when it came out. So 1997, I think this was released. This mm-hmm. was one of the first books for Werewolf I bought. Okay. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I don't know, like, a ton about Werewolf. I, like, I had the LARP book, and then I had this book, incidentally. And I was like, this is a really, like, interesting, like, reframing of everything that's in the core game. And I was familiar enough with these terms to know who the Nazumi were. They're the rat shifters, and, like, the Korax um, are the... Um, and now my brain, of course, is just not coming up with their name. But um, they're I, the I mean, Tengu, Tengu, so the Tengu, yeah, which is the Japanese word for a crow and yeah. crow spirits. You know, it for me because I was a little bit of a weeaboo back in the day. Like it was like I can, I'm, I'm there for that. One of the things that I think is interesting about this is this book falls into the trap that a lot of the werewolf books fall into when they're, or even the other books in the other lines, when they're not set in uh, Europe or America, this Mm -hmm. idea of, hey, there's a whole new society of, of these changers or these vampires here, and they do everything different, which is one, ridiculous, and two, it's better than the core setting in some ways because I'm like, I would love to have a good reason to have a whole like sept of Nuisha together and Garu together and Korax together and Rakin. I have all these people. I have all these changing breeds. I want a good reason for them to be together, but I don't know if I always feel comfortable playing a game set in Japan or China or Africa because in Africa, they do this with the Yahadi down the road. They create this whole uh, situation where, oh, we can get along. Why don't we have that as an option in the West as well? Yeah. I mean, so. just because we suck, I don't know. <laughs> and maybe, like, I think that's, like, <laughs> part of the implication, like, colonialism and the West. But uh, it also falls apart pretty quickly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. But I'm going to say some nice things now. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, um, I really like the um, the the whole concept of the different ages and the turning of the wheel, because mm-hmm. um, I have always enjoyed. Like, it always frustrates me in in most White Wolf games where they're like, "It's the end of the world, everything is doom, doom and gloom." Because I think that you have to have that light to make the dark dark. If everything right. is dark in art. If you have a blank, a black canvas, it's black. There is nothing there. There is nothing to be upset about because you don't have any contrast. Exactly. And so, like, I, I really, um, at, at one point in their history, when they're talking about the turning of the of the wheel, when they're talking about what's to come, they keep referring to it as the dim hope. Mm-hmm. And I went, ooh, yeah, okay, I like that. Um, and it also, it felt very changeling because mm-hmm. they kept going, you know, after, after winter comes spring, that's just how the, that's just how time works. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, I like that at least when you're, if you're playing Hangiokai, you don't have to be like, it's the apocalypse. We're right. all doomed. You know, like, I always feel like all these werewolves are always Eeyore. All right, here we go. You know, and it's like, no, like there should be some hope. You don't have to be Tigger, but you don't have to be Eeyore either. You know, like you can have some dim hope. Exactly. Some like slight chance of like the, that something good will be in the future. Just out of reach. Right. Yes, absolutely. Or that there is a future even. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the 
I, fr I get frustrated with, but I also like the merger of Asian mythology with the uh, Farah mythologies. I actually think this linkage of them is better than what they did in um, Stargazers. Uh, Stargazer <laughs> book, like, sort of tries to get there, and this book was like, let's actually make it fairly coherent. And it is. Well, it's, it feels like they finally did more research. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think the writers they got, again, white people, but white people that were familiar with Asian, mm -hmm. like, mythology and um, religions. And you can tell, because of the way all of this is written, that that is true in this book. I hate all of the sidebars. Okay. They're all hard to read. They put a weird, they're either in weird text or they put like weird gray, like a gray, I don't even know what's behind them. I, it looks like, I don't even know, scales or something. I don't know, leaf. Maybe it's a leaf behind it. I think it's a um, leaf. But, it's a leaf pattern. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard to read. And then I get cranky and, and, and then I get mad because I have to read more that I don't like and it's just not good. I don't like any of the sidebars. They they didn't have to separate any of that. Or they, you know, no. Yeah, they could have no. written, like, run it into the main text. Just yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I get that it's about breaking up the page. Mm -hmm. But it, it not like that. It was hard to read. You could have put a border around it. That is a thing that all of their Asian-influenced game books are like that. And it's yeah. like, whoever the graphic designer was, uh, I understand what you were going for, but you, it did not work in printing. Yeah. It just did no. not work. does not work. Yeah. Uh, the the opening of the Hangyokai uh, book has three pages in their lexicon. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I hate it. The only thing... That made me happy in that lexicon is when they said another name for the worm is centipede. And I went, that's kind of fun. But beyond that, the rest of them, I was like, shut up. Nobody cares. I, I can't pronounce these things. They're giving me anxiety trying to read them. Just keep the same terminology. Like, I, I like having flavor, but like when it becomes so much that it feels like I, 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 I had to keep turning back to try to figure out what the, they were talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's that balance of like, mm -hmm. you want to include cultural elements, but you don't want to overwhelm readers who may not be as invested in those cultural right. like references as other readers are. Cause for me, I'm like, Oh, sweet. I know how to pronounce Japanese and I know how to pronounce yeah. Korean. Uh, when I run across those words, I'm good. But for someone that's, that doesn't, it's, it, it immediately becomes a barrier to entry and interest it's, into a book. It's actually intimidating. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was like, if I had, if we weren't doing this podcast, I would not have finished this book. It's fair. Um, I, I think the thing that I like the most about this book is the idea of the court system though this like structured society um, mm -hmm. that's based in Asian like tradition. And it looks at all of the Farah and says, Hey, we all have this mission to Gaia. And if we all have our mission and we all follow the precepts of heaven that have been given to us, then we will do our work and we will all succeed and make it through the ages. Like that's what the Geru in the West need to hear and actually yeah. like, do like, I like that. And I just kind of, look at it and go, how can I take this structure and put it into the rest of the game? Because I would build an entire game around this that was right. worldwide, and I think it would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I... There there are parts that I really... That I did like. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm complaining a lot, but there were parts that I really did like. I mean, they were usually small things yeah. that I went, ooh, that's a fun little flavor thing. Ooh, I, I like that. Ooh, that would be a fun story to run. But, um... I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know that there were enough fun things in this book that made me want to run a Hangyokai exclusive book or, or game. Fair. I think for me, the thing that I find the most frustrating is the separation. There's a whole section about auspices in the courts, like each court has its own auspice mm -hmm. and then each breed 
like have yeah. their own regular auspices from the breed books and it's mm-hmm. like it's just too much yeah it, it's way too much to keep track of it's way too much to try and um stomach devour whatever word you want to use i'm going to be a centipede for a minute and ah. uh, or a kumo uh which the kumo <laughs> are awesome to me but um they those spiders they, anyway the kumo are were spiders but asian were spiders in particular um which i'd like to say how are those pcs right and they're not they shouldn't be but right. they're in the book like you could play them yeah and what's weird about that is they're written as if they're completely disconnected from the ananasi mm-hmm. the ananasi uh, have a relationship with the worm in their own breed book, which we're going to talk about in the future. So it's kind of ridiculous to take this, like, their only worm servant Ananasi here. Like, I don't know. Um, This is my thing. For me, like, I have all of these rose-colored glasses where I'm like, I like the breeds here. I like the Samabito, the were-sharks. I like the Kitsune, the were-foxes. I like the Kumo. I like the fact that the were-bears are all dead like i like all of these story <laughs> elements yeah yeah like, went, like horrible there but i can also see how they're intimidating and frustrating and hard to like get into because there's so much to just try and figure out here i have always okay so the concept of the beast courts mm-hmm. is fascinating to me like i always i always uh tell my staff of you know like because, you know, you always have a staff, even if you're not running a game. I always mm-hmm. tell my staff that, you know, one day if we ever do a one shot, I want to do a one shot where the beast courts come to America. All right, yeah. let's do this. You know, and have all these really, you know, you guys want to play all these wacky changing pre- breeds? This is the time to do it because nobody is special because you're all special. Mm-hmm. And then make them figure it out in game. How are, how are you going to make this work? Like, I, I think that would be fascinating. Like, I love the idea of them in a court trying to to build the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that, I don't know, like, because I agree with you. I think that uh, the, the Western guru are very frustrating in that sense. Um, and, and even more so now, like, if you look at the BNS books, how they've integrated everything. It's just, it doesn't quite work and quite mesh. They don't explain what the dragons are, like the dragon spirits are, till mm-hmm. like a third of the way of through the book. So they're like, you know, the great dragons said this. And I'm like, who are the great dragons? Mm-hmm. What is happening? You know, and then they start naming them. And I'm like, but they name them like you should already know who they are. And I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, who is Bob of the, you know, like, you got to tell me who Bob is, is Bob, like, and then it was like, I just wanted to be like, is Bob a spirit or Mm -hmm. is he a physical dragon? Mm -hmm. I still don't know if they were physical dragons or not. (laughs) It depends. Uh So that's, yeah, that's a confusing bit. So the, the dragon Kings Mm -hmm. and the, um, the Wani are spirits that are dragons connected to both the Naga and the Makole or the Zhonglong. <laughs> at times they're spirits, at times they're physical um, beings. Uh, at times they're elemental spirits within the earth. So the answer is yes, but the problem is it's never effectively explained that yes, these beings exist in all these different ways. Do we know is you know, let's say when when they are physical dragons, is this the same type of creature that Baba Yaga had? Like no. I can wrap No. There's so, so there are two types of dragons in White Wolf. There are five, I think. So, White Wolf <laughs> The Jmi are entirely different than the dragons from Henga Yokai and the Naga book and the Makole books. Mm. completely because even weirder the dragon kings may also be dinosaurs but that's never really effectively explained clearly until you get into exalted and even then that gets even weirder so (sighs) (sighs) okay all right 
I do like that they call ley lines dragon lines. Yes, which is I, something from Asian mythology. But, but, but I like that because that's a that's a touch of flavor that I can wrap my head around and go. I can easily connect that, and I don't feel like I'm dumb. Yep, so I sure. did like that. Um, I do like that they have a communal renown. Because, mm-hmm. like, as a storyteller, it is super, like, I, you know, like, can you run this separate thing so I can get renown for me? No. Just no. It's a pain in the butt. No. So right. so I like that it's all the same thing. Um, I don't know if this is in the Ananasi book or, or not, but uh, they keep referring to the Kumo as goblin spiders. And they refer to different things as goblin things through this whole book. And I don't know why it just makes me giggle. I don't know (laughs) what the implication besides wormy for goblin is, but it made me giggle. I thought that was, but like, I I kept wishing that like, like I'm playing in a, you know, werewolf LARP right now. And Mm -hmm. there is someone playing an Ananasi. And I wish I knew the term goblin spider because I would call her that all the time because that's fun. (laughs) Uh, So goblin as a term is one of those things uh, that is a translation of a translation of an idea Mm -hmm. from Japanese and Chinese mythologies. A goblin, as we understand it, is not quite what they're describing in those mythologies in those traditions but it is an approximate translation of like a demonic but natural spirit thing and all of my asian like mythology friends are going to yell at me for that but that is the basic (laughs) description of it let's see i'm just kind of like bouncing around because there's so much here Mm -hmm. um okay so in chapter two they start talking about the tapestry which is the umbra Mm-hmm. I believe, yes? Yes, I think. yes it is. I yep. think that's it. Okay. And um, I believe it's in the Mirrorlands. I could be wrong. They talk about there being ten sons. Yes. Is that supposed to represent all the planets? No. The ten, what are the ten? ten sons is a specific reference to a Hindu myth when there were ten sons in the sky and one of the gods takes his bow and shoots out all of the suns in the sky except for the one that's still in the sky. See, like, why couldn't they tell us that? Mm-hmm. Instead, they just go, ooh, <laughs> there were ten suns, but nine of them are, are stillborn or something weird. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, well, there's, what, what? Oh. It's one of those things where it's like, this is an Easter egg for people that are already, like, here that are bought mm-hmm. into that it's and it's again i agree with you it's not helpful for someone that's not already bought into right. but it, to me anyway you don't put easter eggs in that are apparent easter eggs that no one knows what they are though or if someone doesn't like if if i find yeah. the easter egg and i go this is something mm-hmm. but i don't know what it is so all right fine i'm I will mark that off then. Never (laughs) mind. I was all excited because I thought maybe it was like all the planets. And I was like, made sense. Like they can still see them, but they're far away. And so like they look dead or, you know, all right, fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I I will say, I think it's funny that even in this book, they tell you to stay out of Russia. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They're just like, yeah, just don't, it's not good. Don't go there. And the reason for that is because Russia borders so much on Asia, like just north of like this mm-hmm. whole territory is huge chunks of like Siberia and, you know, Kamchatka and so forth and so on. I just I just think it's very funny that like, like every White Wolf book, they just have this little sentence somewhere that just goes, don't go to Russia. <laughs> you won't like it. Trust me. No, no. just import your vodka. You're good. Um, let's see. I was I always try to talk a little bit about the art. Mm-hmm. Um, there there is one piece of art in this book that made me giggle a lot. It's um, on page forty three. There there's a, a group of uh, there's a were cat and I think it's a were rat 
-hmm. and they're fighting something. And this is when they're, it's still in the part about the Umbra and they're talking about the stork spirits. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, there's a stork spirit that was clearly leading them somewhere in this picture. And like one of, I think it's the were rat is like pointing up going, look a bird. And it's just, Kind of like it's so over exaggerated that that picture just made me giggle because it was just like, yes, we we all see the stork. Good job, <laughs> good job, where rat. Yeah, I there's art in this book that I really really love. Um, there is also art in this book, um, particularly when we get to the second half, which I want to talk about here in a minute. When you get to the Kisune mm-hmm. part, the, there's art in there I really really like. But yeah, it's all over the place. Um, question for you. Do you want to review the different changing breeds as they are in this book real quick? There was a couple things about the Naga that I didn't realize, but mm-hmm. that was on purpose. Like, because I should never know anything about a Naga. I'm never going to run a Naga. I'm never going to be a Naga, except for now. Um, I never read anything about them. And so I was like, what their medicine or have can have babies mm-hmm. that's cool and then now i'm wait. like i want to play a naga which is not yeah good. wait until you get to their breed book oh my gosh it's good yeah. anyway no that but that's not good yeah. like don't tell me cool things that i can't play <sighs> yeah that that is the biggest frustration i have with white wolf books that are like hey here's a cool new thing that you aren't supposed to play because they're hidden or secret, right. or any of these other Or things. you can play them, but you can't tell anyone? Right. Oh. How are you, you going to pull that off? The second you go into Krynos, everyone's going to be like, ah, there's a spot. Yeah, a or, or, or a well, you or don't go into Krynos, and then, so then you're just there, the whole, yeah, I don't know. Or, or yeah, you make everyone forget every time you go into Krynos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bob was there. I don't know what he did. So, my <laughs> favorite uh thing in this book though are the haken who are referenced earlier on in other books but the idea of shadow lords that have really strict ideas about honor and are really influenced by japanese society i enjoyed that a lot and that's one of my favorite parts of like the werewolves in this are Mm -hmm. either haken or they're stargazers and those are pretty much the only two tribes of werewolves you're going to have in uh, they mentioned Bonars a few times. And but, Glasswalkers, but, yeah. Oh, the yeah. Buyage, uh, the Buguaji. Mm, that is wrong. But yeah. yeah. The, the but they, they both had names. Yeah. They both had different names. Yeah. Um, but they, they were not big enough to even have a section besides a little paragraph mentioning them. But they were mentioned. Right. I just thought it was interesting because usually the children of Gaia are everywhere. And they <laughs> but not here. Yeah. But not here. Like it was like, what? Why would they not? Okay. The Samebito. I love again, this is a, a I have an interest. I've read all of Lone Wolf and Cub. I've read a lot of samurai literature. I mm-hmm. love samurai movies, Kurosawa films. Oh, oof, could spend hours, literally have spent hours <laughs> watching them over and over again. The Samebito, these were sharks that are samurai inspired. I'm there. Like, please give me more of that. That is super cool, but it doesn't make any sense with the Rokea storyline at all. No. Makes no. no sense. Why aren't the Rokea trying to destroy them? And they just kind of hand wave it as they're not. And I'm like, yeah, we just don't hang out with them, is what they say. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. it doesn't make any sense. There are sharks in Asia. Like, it, <laughs> it's uh, well, big size. I, I think for me is. They kind of wrote the wrote the Rokea into a corner, mm-hmm. you know, like you know they hate you know it's kind of like the Red Talons. They hate humans and they hate you know, and you're like, well, what do I do with that? Like, that's a great one shot, but how do you make that playable with other people? Yeah, you can't. You either no. have that one Rokea that's a betweener that's trying to hide from the other Rokea, mm-hmm. and that gets boring really quickly if you keep bringing that plot up. Or you just say, no, yeah, the Rokea are cool with everyone now. Like, we're yeah. just going to do that. Which, <laughs> that's what the Finite Studios book did. So, you know, options. Yeah, well, yeah that's okay. Um, Let's see here. Um, I found it interesting that the Ratkin Metis, I'm not going to try to pronounce what they're really called, um, 
that they revert to his foe when they die. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, I, I, it feels like there should be a reason for that, but they didn't explain anything. It's because of Sumatran rats, which are huge rats. And mm-hmm. so they were making a reference to the fact that when they die, that's how you get the bodies of these huge rats that they find and mm. didn't know what were for a long time. I think that's what they're referencing there. Okay, so like another kind of strange Easter egg? Yep. Maybe? Okay. Yep. There's a lot of Easter eggs in here for not being celebrating Easter. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Okay. All right. Any uh, other like major thoughts on the Henge Yokai part of this book before yeah. we dive into the Kitsune part, which I would like uh, to dive into? Yeah. Nothing, nothing else besides the idea of, I really like the idea that uh, the Tengu, 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 Tengu? yeah. Tengu, um, that when, you know, they're in their crinosaurm, that some of them have human ears. That really cracked me up because I've never read that before either. And, like, I'm like, why is there not a, a drawing of that in here? Right. Like, that would be amazing. To, to me, like, that's what needs to be drawn, not, hey, look, a bird. I think the antagonist in this book, the antagonist for most of the Asian-inspired stuff that's in the World of Darkness are mm-hmm. amazing. So, agreed on that. There's okay. A, I'll- I, think there's a short reference in here to Mikaboshi as well um, in the Wicked City, but I'm not 100% sure. And if not, go and find out about uh, them and the Wicked City and the Kindred E stuff, because it is something you should bring into your werewolf game if you go and get okay. Okay. Yeah, it's I don't awesome. think there is. I don't remember okay. that. Okay. I'm reading that book at this right now as well, so I could be misremembering which book it's in. Okay. So I want to preface this Kitsune section with this. I am a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, mm-hmm. as you are. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of the comics in the 90s. <laughs> in particular, Raphael mm-hmm. gets a girlfriend with a ridiculous name, uh, Ninjara. She happens to she's a ninja. Yeah. Because she's a ninja and she's a fox. I have to say this. Part of the reason I love the Kitsune is because I loved that character and I loved the plot line for her relationship with Raphael in the comics. Mm-hmm. Because it was both it's a teenage mutant turtles comic, so it's a little ridiculous, but those comics were super deep. And, like, got super dark and, like, really dived into what it meant to, like, live for hundreds of years at one point. Um, yeah. I absolutely <clears throat> love it. Uh, and I've got to admit, like, my appreciation of Fox Shifters absolutely is, like, inspired <laughs> by that, like, thing from my childhood. So That's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> That's definitely fair. So all of that to say... This Kitsune section is the best breed book of all of them. I don't care what anybody says at all. It is the best. 100%. Um, I, Even when I disagree with myself in five minutes. Right <laughs> um, I enjoyed this book more than I thought I would. Um, this section of the book more than I thought I would. But that's mostly because, unfortunately, people that like Kitsune tend to be insane about them yep um and they tend to always play them as like wacky like obnoxious you know, or or they play them so honor bound you know and you're like no not either of those things it's it's a good healthy middle ground but um and so unfortunately like i said every time i've ever seen one role played it's just frustrating, and so I'm always like, oh, it's a kasune, oh, you know. But but I enjoyed this book better than I thought I would. Yeah. And this book, like all the other ones, starts off with, um, it doesn't start with a comic, I don't think. No. But it does have an introductory, like, story and the background of who the kitsune are. And they are the newest changing breed, supposedly. They were yeah. created by Gaia very, very recently, so they they don't cause the uh, delirium in people. Yeah, they this... they weren't part of the impergium, so mm-hmm. they don't cause don't. it. Yep. Whoops. And, and that is a reference to Japanese myths and Chinese myths about um, box changers and the fact that people remember them when they see them. Um, 
but I'm wondering why there aren't more like islands, miscovered islands with fox people living on them, because that's also a thing. Um, but I like the story of Fai Mangsi, and I like the way Prince Inari, I like how they create the kitsune. And I think it's a really cool, like, if all of these like intro stories were written as well as this, these games would be better. Yeah. It, and it was easy to follow the story. Right. You know, sometimes they, they throw so much at you in these stories that you're just like, I don't care. Um, but I, I really, I really enjoyed, um, especially when they, um, they were talking about Gaia, uh, the, the triad was mm. talking to, to Gaia and, you know, and they were arguing with her and, and she goes, what is this thing, man? And they were like, you made man. This is your creation. And she was like, I didn't make man. I didn't make him like this. And they were like, no, no, no. You made man. And then they said, after man, or no, it was like, be, be after mammoth, but before manatee. And that cracked me up because I thought Gaia did it alphabetically. Right. <laughs> it, it, like, it, it's so ridiculous that it actually made me laugh. And, like, it was this nice break in the story where I laughed and went, this is a game and I'm supposed to be having fun. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really actually enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the whole, the back and forth between the weaver, the wild, and the worm in the story. Mm -hmm. It was a lot easier to, to follow with the terminology I know mm -hmm. in the story. They also had a poop ton of lexicon words in this one as well. But... yes. You know, okay, fine. I've also realized that I'm just not going to be happy. So that's, you know, okay. That's okay. I don't have to be happy. I do think it's a little bit better than the core Hengayoke part in giving you straight up. It, interestingly enough, like, it gives it to you a little bit straighter, even though yes. it's making jokes throughout it and being like, mm -hmm. look, these are fox shifters. Foxes are tricksters. Foxes are, are smart there are things that are jokes built into the writing. Oh yeah, absolutely. But they don't feel like totally from left field. They don't feel as ridiculous as the new Weisha stuff. They feel yeah. appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, this like, like I love the part where um, they were the, the Fox, the, the first Kutsune was talking to the guy and goes, basically goes, Hey, I'll tell you a secret. And she was like, nope. <laughs> she, like at one point she, she says something like, oh goodness, sorry about that. Um, at one point, like, I think it's the secret. She goes, I'll tell you a secret. And Gaia goes, I already have a cat. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, yep. that's awesome. Gaia's got a little bit of an attitude. I, I can get behind that. And it fits, like, it's nice to have some, like, character in Gaia for once. Because mm -hmm. you're like, this is supposedly a personified being. Why is she always so stale? She's yeah. so sleepy all the time. Right. Which is Gaia's just narcoleptic. <laughs> I think that's the biggest problem we have here. That, get yeah. on some medicine. Gods falling asleep is a common theme. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Give her some coffee. <laughs> One of the things that I think is tragic, though, about the Kitsune is the fact that whenever a new one is born, one of their parents dies. Yeah. And that's that's one of those things that you read and you go, oh, oh. Yeah. But you, that that had to be there. You had to have that balance. Yep. Like, and not even the balance of the numbers of Kitsune. Like, it's the balance of, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're so full of, like, energy and um, laughter and joy. You know, like, they're supposed to be this, this, like, that you have to have that balance of, and I came from a death. Yeah. Because, um, again, the best stories, the best pictures, you have to have light and dark. And they have to be next to each other. There has to be a contrast, and that's the contrast for them. Yep. And even in the story as, like, explanation of the background, which they do, the same sort of, like, oh, we're going to tell you about the world in character. Mm -hmm. 
is it ultimately about how one of the teachers is going to die? Yeah. And I and when and when he does, she kind of sighs and then has to smile and go see the new baby. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, "Ooh, I couldn't do that." <laughs> yeah. And it it does exactly the thing I think you were saying is that it balances it out and it creates a sense of yeah, they're ridiculous and fun and tricksters, but there's some real serious stuff here too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have once seen a player play that balance once. And if you can <laughs> find that balance, you've figured out how to play a Kitsune well. Yes. The only issue I have with the Kitsune is... <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I guess? Can I guess? Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, go ahead. Page 163, there's a sidebar, and it starts with, Hedge Magic is very foxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I laughed so hard when I read that. I was, oh, he's going to be so bad. <laughs> the only thing I've ever hated is that everyone in the world of darkness, once they created Hedge Magic, everybody gets it. And not only do the Kitsune get gifts, and hedge magic, and they can steal gifts from other people, and they mm-hmm. can learn gifts from everyone. They also get their own special paper magic. <laughs> I'm telling you, at this point, we have enough. We have enough magic and powers. We don't need to give everybody everything or new <laughs> things. Please stop. Please stop. Uh, it's, it's good. It's the only thing I dislike about the Kitsune. I actually wish that they had let them have the paper magic and just taken away a bunch of the other stuff. Yeah. Like, because the, uh, the flavor of doing, having to do origami and, you know, the, you know, putting magic on paper and sticking it to things and all that, like that, that feels like the flavor I actually do want from these books. Yeah. Um, you know, like I don't want them to be able to steal gifts. I want them to, to, you know, like, I, I want the game to be littered with little cranes everywhere or, or whatever. You know, like, that's, to me, like, that's that's way more fun. Yeah. I would have been totally okay with it if they said all of their gifts must be used with paper magic, except for these set of gifts. Mm-hmm. And then I've been like, all right, I'm on board with that. Yeah, almost like a, uh, they, they have a hampering, like they have to. Yep. Yeah, that's... that would have been fun. Like a ban. Yeah. You get all these other awesome things. Trust me, having a little bit of a downside, like, is not going to hurt you in play. And having that material component is not going to hurt you in play. Well, and, and downsides are what is fun. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So there. So, get anything else to say about the Kitsune? Um, <clears throat> I... Like I said, I actually enjoyed this book more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I still don't want to role play with one. That's fair. <laughs> but, you know, and th- that this is one of those, like, and everybody does it, but I wouldn't mind playing one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because clearly I'm a better role player than everyone else. <laughs> sarcasm. Uh, no, but, like, you know, like, I, I, I think that um, I almost feel like it would be better as a as like a one person game. Yep, a like one to one game. Yeah, just one to one game. Like I, I think that could be very fun with yep. a Kutsune. Like I just worry that a Kutsune would and does overbalance the rest of the party. Yeah. I agree. I think it would be fun to have like an entire group of kitsune. Oh my gosh. Would be a good way of doing it. Yeah. Either that would either be overwhelming or amazing. I can't decide which. Or run them as a kindred of not a kindred of the east. Wow. A henge okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose you could. You could have No, no you, know. you can't. There's a sidebar that says they t- go up in flames. They just turn into fire. Yeah, I would throw that hey, yeah, you're right. I they cannot be embraced, but they could hang out with the kindred of the east. They could. Potentially. Yeah, which I don't know. We don't need to talk about the Kindred of the East, but no, um, <laughs> I I think they would be good as like their own group or involved with a Hengayoke wave or Sentai. Um, mm-hmm. I think that would be cool. 
but I agree. Like it's a struggle to figure out how do I allow a player to play one of these in a LARP or in a regular game? Yeah. Um, though that said, my favorite thing in the Binite Studios LARP rules for Werewolf, my favorite thing was the introduction of non-Asian Kitsune. Mm. And I was, I'm totally on board for that. They are uh, connected to um, the Pennsylvania Dutch, which was an interesting choice, <laughs> but um, I think they're cool. It's an interesting expansion to the idea of the Kitsune. So I'm here for it. All right. All right. So I purposely, while I was going through this book, because you always ask me, what would you run? Mm-hmm. So I purposely, because I am, you know, this, I was very clear, you know, like every time you're like, let's do the Hangio Kai book. And I was like, no, let's do anything else. Yep. Very clear. I was not excited about this book. So I found two different stories that I would run. Go ahead. I'm so, excited to hear these. The, the the first one was actually is a Kitsune one. Is I would want to run Kitsune in Australia. Okay. Because there's this section in there where they talk about how the uh, the foxes are, are destroying Australia and they yeah, don't quite true. know what to do. Like they're like, whoops are bad. Mm, sorry. But like they they're like clearly the Kitsune don't know if they should go remove all the foxes from Australia or what they should do. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought that was a really fun and fascinating, like, like, like what kind of decision can you make there? And also they talk about how they're still searching for bunyip lore. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that like, I, I love the idea of them going, cause you know, like never again. You know, like, we're, we're going to get this stuff, and then we're not going to tell anybody else about it, but we're going to find it. Right, um, yeah. And so I, I really think that them in Australia would be a very unique and interesting um, setting. Yeah, I would love, particularly because of the Asian immigrations into Australia, mm-hmm. the idea of having, like, this group of uh, kitsune go and then be like, look, we're going to like figure out how to like save this lost lore of the bunyip and oh wait there's this dude cloning the bunyip yeah how are we mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how are we gonna deal with that because that mm-hmm. gets some weirdness it would be a great storyline i agree with you all right and then my second is a hangiokai story so it could okay. be whatever Ooh. any of those uh-huh here we go and this i'm gonna go completely off the rails because i was just saying how i don't like anime and I don't like any of these other things. So, so I would run a group. What are the packs called? Sentai. Sentai. I would, I would run a Sentai that ended up having to go into an umbral realm into the spirit courts. And I would run one of them having to get married to one of the spirits. Cause they talk about how sometimes they have to, the, the spirits just decide, you were exceptionally eloquent at court. You're going to marry my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I would run it as a K-drama. Yes. You know, like, it would be completely ridiculous. It would be completely over the top. Maybe this, this spirit princess or prince will go with them. Maybe it becomes their pack totem. Maybe it, you know, like, but like, I love like 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 if you're gonna if you're gonna run this, run it ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. run run them making all the goofy faces that they do in anime and you know, like throw them in the cartoon realm. I don't know. Like there's so many things you could do there, but like I would just embrace that culture, that over the top culture that they have in their in their uh dramas and things like that. Plus, weddings are funny. Yes. So, <laughs> I watch a lot of K-dramas, Korean dramas, um, because mm-hmm. my wife is obsessed with them. We lived in Korea for a year. So, okay. Um, we have that, like, connection. And we uh, also, she watched 180 episodes of a Chinese drama, oh which is yeah. about, about spirits in the spirit world and uh, this mm-hmm. marriage of these two spirits. 
uh, one of them is a pea, I think. Like she is a, okay. a plant spirit and the other one is like the god of death. Oh, and they're yeah. falling in love with one another. Um, it's amazing in its ridiculousness. Right, so, right. But embrace that. Right. I, I have a good friend, uh, Tanya, and she she's into K-drama and K-pop and all that. And it's so funny because she'll like every once in a while, she'll be like, here's this new K-pop song. And I'm like, which one has pink hair? He's my favorite. I always just tell her, whichever one has pink hair is my favorite. Yep. And um, it, and so like I was thinking because like I was talking to her like I was like, I have to read this book and it's killing me. And, and she was like, I'm sorry. And then I kept thinking, what would I want to run for Tanya out of this book? And I thought... Mm-hmm. I would run a, a, a K-drama. Yep. You know, like, you know, you have to marry the prince or everyone goes to war. Oh, no. Oh. You know, like, it, it's, yep. it's stupid, but it's fun. Yep. So. It would be even more fun to do it as, like, a period K-drama, like the hat shows that they have. <laughs> yeah. It would be amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm so on board for that. Um, so what would you run? I have run a couple of games uh, oh, inspired sure. by Hengayokai stuff. Um, just like, like I said, this was my jam at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, though, I would lean into the uh, the Zhonglong, the Makole, and the Samai Vito. And I would run uh, the death of, of uh, this particular samurai, Samai Vito. And he, uh, he dies, he's killed, kind of... Un, like no one knows why, and so this group of probably mostly Samai Bito and uh, Zhang Long have to work together to figure out who killed their mentor. You know this particularly oh, important okay. samurai. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and run it like um, Seven Samurai or um, Lone Wolf and Cub a little bit, where it's they have to tour around Japan, finding information, figuring out what happened, and then ultimately they find out like their mentor killed their other mentor or something like that. Uh, no! would, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would again, lean into the drama there. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the way to do it. Um, I would also, uh, I have been building out the idea of doing a wicked city game. Wicked city is an anime. It's also referenced in um, other world of darkness game books where, it's effectively this umbral realm where this demon lord rules over a like Neo Tokyo type uh, place, mm-hmm. and all of these demons live there, and they like occasionally drag people into like this dark demonic version of Tokyo. I would run it in Seoul though, and I would have it be like this crime drama, this like Korean gangster story, and the Wicked City is like the backdrop for one of the gang leaders, they work for Mikaboshi in the Wicked City. But all they're doing is like these nasty things in Seoul. And the Sentai is like chasing after these things. And then finally they realize, oh, crud, it's this dark demon lord. And then that leads into a whole extra story about stopping the demon lord. Right. That'd be fun. Yeah. I like games where the 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 actual plot of the game isn't i'm a hangyokai like i like the game you know like you know like uh, you know it's not about being a were shark it's about someone killed my mentor so now it's a murder mystery Mm you know like I, i i always think that a lot of times new uh new people running especially in white book games people running White Wolf games tend to make the plot the genre. Right. And it, does, it doesn't have to be. And in fact, mo- the best games aren't that way. Your genre is just the flavor. Your plot is something else. Yeah, 100%. Oh, that's such good advice, Carrie. I know. Good it's advice. like I do a, another podcast where I get... <laughs> on a roll podcast, I what? think. <laughs> yeah, it's a great podcast, folks. You should listen to it because the advice okay, that Carrie and her choice. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> All right. Here's the hard question. Mm. How many shuriken would you give the first half of this book? And how many shuriken would you give the second half of this book? Mm. Out of 10. Out of 10. Um, 
I would probably give the first half five. Okay. Um, like I said, if I didn't have to read this book for this podcast, I would not have. Okay, fair. You know, five is the, even higher than I expected. Well, but that's also though because I forced myself to read it. There were some fun little tidbits I found. You know, I'm going to find a way to be able to call that Ananasia Goblin just because that's fun. Um, somehow, somehow, um, you know, I'm I'm trying that five is five is being generous, but I'm going to give it a five because, like I said, I think that there are things in this book that just because I didn't like them doesn't mean other people won't. Sure. Um, and the Kitsune half of the book, I would give a seven. Okay. Um, it, again, the, the second half of this book was way better than what I thought it was going to be. Like I was, I was ready for fish milk. Like mm-hmm. I was ready for just ridiculous stuff that I was going to roll my eyes at the whole time and not be happy at all. And I, I did not roll my eyes nearly as much as I thought I would. We will take that as a win. Um, yes. For our listeners who are usually listen, used to listening to me be in that position with a book, I'm going to go the exact opposite. Um, oh, shouldn't hi. be surprising considering um, what I've said about the book so far. But um, the first half for me gets an eight shuriken out of ten. Um, it's thematically really interesting. There's lots of cool story hooks. If you are interested in Asian mythology, it links up to it in a way that's actually um, it is problematic, but not as problematic as it could be. It is not as bad as Kindred of the East. It does a better job of finding space and uh, using it appropriately and mm-hmm. it, finding concepts and using them appropriately. And then the Kitsune, um, there are 11 shuriken out of 10 because... What? No, it, it no. <laughs> you cheater. <laughs> They have an extra that they made out of paper in their back pocket. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's paper shirking, so yes, that's yes. a little different. This is the only perfect score for any book ever that you will hear oh, on this podcast. Oh, oh, okay, I'm sorry, everyone. I would like to remind him of one sentence in this book. Hedge Please. magic is very foxy. Yeah, so we're just <laughs> going to ignore... Well, we can ignore the part you don't like. Okay. Right. Oh. So 10.5 shuriken. We're going to rip that last paper in half. You're right. I still love it. I still love the That's okay. your name. That's okay. I'll forgive you. You're allowed to. Thanks. I okay. appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We, um, Carrie, this has been an amazing conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, you. Un- until we figure out why the uh, Semi Vito are allowed to live, we will see you <laughs> next time. <laughs> the music provided in this episode is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music. You can find his work by Googling Incompetech or Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. You can become a patron of Werewolf the Podcast via High Level Games at our Patreon at High Level Games. You can learn more about High Level Games at highlevelgames.ca or by Googling us. Thank you for listening.